RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Andrew Crookzina is an Auckland property developer and member of Save the Queen Street Society, SQSS. He is a founder, as I'm sure some of, well, many of you probably know, of Crookzina Properties, a company responsible for the purchase and development of over 100 residential and commercial buildings, again, well-known buildings throughout Auckland. And we wanted to talk to Andrew uh, today at RCR after him recently giving a speech or a presentation, I guess, at an Auckland Council meeting last week on the proposed sale and demolition of Auckland's downtown car park building. Andrew, welcome to our radio station. Nice to have you on. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be on. Okay, so first of all, um, let's just talk about the state of the downtown area before we sort of get into the other stuff. It seems to me in the time I was there, I was there for five years up till about a year ago, even in that short time I was there, there was a lot of deterioration in the CBD. What's your view of the condition of the Auckland CBD at the moment? Um, it's improving, albeit very slowly. And, uh, you know, two things have caused the deterioration. Uh, one of them was COVID, but uh, some cities have bounced back from COVID and some haven't. And the second uh, main, and the main reason for the deterioration of the city has been uh, Auckland Council's uh, series of mistaken, uh, idiotic decisions uh, as to how a city should operate and the desire to uh, prevent cars from coming to, going through and staying in the city. Uh, and their moves to both restrict uh, car usage, create congestion where none was before and where it was unnecessary, uh, to make people change their mode of transport to get out of their car into a bus on a bike or a scooter. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I think a lot of the people in, in the previous council and, and still there are many left in the current council uh, are this, these um, wrong thinking. They believe that if you uh, tell a person who drives their car to go to a shop uh, to buy something that they can no longer drive their car, they'll automatically jump on a bus or a bike or a scooter. It's just nonsense. They'll just go to another shop. Uh, and take their business elsewhere. And that's why you see shopping centres so successful um, because they offer often free and or certainly convenient parking. And that's what people want and need if they want to shop in a place. Uh, certainly, I've got nothing against people using public transport and I encourage that, but, but we don't need to be treated like school children uh, where we're, you know, uh, with our toys being taken away so that we mode shift. And a lot of the uh, thinking of people in AT and council uh, has been driven by this mentality. Uh, and it's caused, it's caused significant damage to the city, to the people that operate and their businesses in the city and to the general public that come to the city. And, and you know, we're actually a quite a spread out, uh, dispersed city. There's no need for most of the traffic jams and uh, time wasting that has been caused by uh, absolutely crazy decisions by AT and Council, but they're deliberate crazy decisions, deliberate decisions to create congestion so that you are upset by driving in your car and so that you change your mode of transport. And I don't believe that's uh, the way that a, a free and democratic society should operate. We should it's, have great public transport and, and have the ability to drive freely and easily on our on our roads. It's reckless, isn't it? Because I don't think any anyone elected those people to throw business commerce, um, vibrancy, the things that people want to do, forgive the uh, expression, under the bus. Under the no bus. one was asking for that at all. No, and look, people voted Wayne Brown and his mayor because they wanted change. 
and the sale of the downtown car park was created, uh, or was the original motion was put forward by the Phil Goff-led council, which was right. a left-wing left-led council. And Wayne Brown actually stood, one of his campaign uh, policies was to stop the sale of car park buildings. The open letter he wrote to Wayne Donnelly, uh, who was the chair of AT, was to stop the sale of the downtown car park. Uh, as one of the things that he wrote in a, in a letter. Uh, and yet, you know, at the moment, uh, I would be concerned that it, it may be that, uh, that he votes for the sale, which to me is, just, is wrong and it really doesn't, doesn't accord with what he said he would do when, uh, when he wrote that letter to, to Wayne Donnelly. Right. So, you know, no one's going to say that that building is a great architectural sort of landmark of Auckland or anything like that. And uh, you'll tell us how many parks it uh, it holds i think it's over about 1500 so if i can say paul so it's very clothing a building you know that's just a skeletal frame that yeah. you see so yeah. if you look at metropolis which i developed 25 odd years ago most people would consider that to be a, a nice building and the yeah. first eight floors is car park so right. only it's put behind a you know there are stone columns and appropriate um facade that disguises that so it's a very very simple thing to do to make that incredibly beautiful. You could build a, put a green wall up against it full of beautiful plants and flowers. You could put any number of different facades on that building uh, to make it beautiful. And one would expect if one was to develop on top of it, which is my alternative proposal, that that's exactly what you should do and uh, could do and should do. Let's, we'll get into the, um, your proposal shortly. Interesting mm. looking at the plans that were had and the deals you say could be made out of this. Um, for a better outcome. So what were, okay, the plans were to demolish, leaving what, a hole in the ground. Was that the plan? No, so the, the plan that precinct properties currently have uh, is to demolish the building, dig a four-level, three or four or five-level deep, massive hole in the ground uh, to put 740 car parks under the ground, which is actually on reclaimed land really under the sea, uh, and then to start from the ground up building two separate towers, one residential and one commercial, with large podiums, similar similar height to the existing car park, and then towers on top of those. The existing car park comes up to a level that sits pretty well in line with the M Social Hotel in front of the building. And mm -hmm. so you need to get to that level anyway before you build a tower that it starts to have views of the harbour looking over M Social. So really what they're doing, you know, precinct, I went to their AGM uh, last Tuesday, and they waxed lyrical about their ESG and how they have policies, yeah. you know, green policies and saving the planet and all of that stuff. Uh, and in fact, the most terrible thing you could do is demolish that car park and dig a four-story hole of an acre and a half in the ground. Uh, and I worked out with my engineer and um, uh, and my demolition contractor just yesterday how many trucks how many 18-ton trucks would go back and forth to the landfill? And the answer is over 13,000 okay. 18-ton trucks yeah. would have to go back and forth to the landfill. All diesel. So, yeah. mm. All diesel. So uh, forgetting the road closure and all of the mess and shambles and the dust and the, the ink that will be exhausted into the atmosphere while they're pulling down this eight-story concrete building uh, and then digging a massive hole under the sea uh, and you really build a reverse swimming pool to do that. You know, it's a massive environmental disaster by digging down, and it's a massive citywide construction and and um, 
congestion disaster while you're sending 13,000 trucks to landfill, and then when you pick up this, this all this concrete and debris and you stick it in the ground, that's a, a making a shambles. So if precinct are serious about being green, which it's obviously not, they would build on top of the car park and leave it there where they can have their 740 car parks already built. Uh, the greenest thing you can do is reutilize an existing building. The least green thing you can do is to knock down an existing building and replace it with something extremely similar. Um, it's a dreadful thing to do. And so I would say to you, if you're a shareholder of Precinct and you read their, uh, their annual report and you read about their green policies, you can take that with a grain of salt. Mm. It's just lip service uh, rather than the truth. What's the relationship between the Auckland Council and Precinct? Do we know? Um, look, you know, Precinct are a, a, a developer. They're a good developer. I, I think they do good work. They've built a number of, you know, architecturally ordinary buildings, but uh, but they function very well. Um, you know, they've built the Commercial Bay. Uh, they own most of the buildings in that downtown block, uh, some of which they developed as AMP properties, which is what, what morphed into Precinct. Um, so, you know, what's the relationship? Obviously, you know, Council put the building up for tender. There is no contract signed with Precinct. So there's no legal agreement right now between Council and Precinct. Precinct is asking right now Ikipanuku, who was given the task of doing a deal with Precinct, to coming back to the governing body of Council on Thursday uh, this week to ask the governing body's permission to sign that deal. Uh, that deal nets $47 million to Council in the following way. Precinct pay $150 million as a sticker price, but that's not really what they're paying. Then council are paying for the demolition of the downtown car park, estimated to be $15 million, maybe more. They're paying $13 million, council are, to, as a deduction from the price, so Precinct aren't paying it, to M Social, who have the right, uh, the, the current owner of the car park, uh, the, the Auckland Council, there is a covenant on the title that, for, that compels the council to provide M Social with around 100 car parks, and if, the, if that building is demolished, that right is unable to be performed. And so, precinct and council negotiated with CDL that owns M Social Hotel to extinguish that right, no doubt temporarily, until they rebuild 740 car parks and give them 100 back. Uh, and then, in between times, precinct has bought the viaduct car park next door where I'm sure the M social people are going to park while they've demolished the building and they're giving them $13 million of your taxpayer, your, your ratepayers $13 million to get rid of those 100 car parks probably for three or four years while the construction is going on. Right. So that's 15 plus 13 off 150 million, we're down to $122 million and then council as part of the deal with Precinct promises to demolish the Hobson Street flyover now creating only one way to get through the city, which is Custom Street, rather than Custom Street and Key Street. That's quite a high-volume flyover. Very high volume. I mean, again, it's deliberate congestion. So mm. the, these left-thinking councillors, they want to make your life miserable and unproductive. <laughs> it's part yeah. of the strategy yeah. so that you get out and walk, even if it's raining, Don't take a scooter, even if you're 85, and have yeah. children with you. Ride a bike, even if you have no legs. You know, like it's just, it's just mental stuff. Um, and it's astonishing that we've somehow let these people get into a position of power. Um, you know, Chris Darby is the main uh, force of this wrong thinking. Um, he was joined by Pippa Coombe, who 
uh, thank God, was voted out by the very sane uh, and experienced Mike Lee in the last election. She was the councillor for Auckland City and she caused a huge amount of wreckage uh, in our city with her mad policies. Um, she's a cycle rider herself, but comically, um, the person who used the most taxi money of all councillors was a Bakun. She spent $10,000 in one year on taxis. Um, so very green on her bicycle, uh, other than her taxi chips paid for by you, the ratepayers, $10,000. So, you know, these people, it, it makes no sense what they do, unfortunately. Yeah, I think... Uh, we, all, we all have to live with the effects of it. In that presentation, I think um, Chris Darby, was it, kind of intimated to you that, you know, that we shouldn't be talking commercially here. Already there's some kind of contract or agreement in place. That, that's just and, not true. And that's you came out true. and said, yeah, that unless it's um, signed, eyes mm. dotted, T's crossed, both parties, it's, it's nothing. But yeah, it made so him sound like he was kind of already made his mind up. No, no, Chris Darby is the, um, you know, the architect of this policy. Right. Okay. And uh, so he is trying to make the other councillors think that there is some legal obligation from council. But I know I have seen a communication uh, from the chief executive of council uh, that confirms that there is no binding legal contract with precinct. Right. So they could go with this the is best. Scare, this is merely scare tactics that Chris is trying to use to scare councillors into thinking they have a legal obligation. And, and, and almost sort of supporting that ratepayers take a hit. I want to get into how you see this coming together real soon. First of all, though, car park, um, what sort of uh, contribution does that make to that area? It's not only just people coming to downtown. It's people who want to launch off, go on ferries and things like that yep. to other places. Um, and as I say, I walk past there every morning for about two years. It was always incredibly busy there, always high-use utilisation. So... Mm. So, so why would they want to, I mean, trying to get people on the bikes is one thing, but destroying or, or taking away business is another, you know, because that's livelihoods. Look, and, you know, it is totally illogical to any normal sane person, the concept of getting rid of 2,000 car parks that is a key element of the transport network is madness. So it's. So we got to think of it as part of the transport network. It's part of the network. It's part of the transport. I mean, you know, if you take, if you live on Waiheke, many people have a car in the downtown car park. They live on Waiheke, or they go there in the weekend. They drive their car to the downtown car park. They jump on a ferry. They go to Waiheke for the weekend. They come back. They jump in their car. They go home. Uh, it's part of people's lives. You know, we've got. Uh, there's a woman called Sheree Heimgartner who. Um, uh, is just a, a normal citizen. She's an accountant by qualification, and she lived on Waiheke and she saw they were demolishing the downtown car park. She went, oh my God, this is terrible. She's got 10,000 signatures on a petition to stop the sale of the downtown car park. We did a, a, I got her to do a survey of some businesses in the bottom end of Queen Street, 120, every single business she walked into said, oh my God, they can't demolish the downtown car park. She got 122 signatures in two days, um, which is everybody that you know owned their business yeah. signed and the, the only people who didn't were people who said, I can't sign because I'm not the boss. Um, so. Yeah. Any sane person, any business in the bottom end of, of, of the city needs that car park as a feeder. There are so many buildings in the lower part of the city that are character buildings that have no parking. They were built before cars existed. And, you know, you're a lawyer. You've got three people working for you. Uh, 
two, one of them parks in the downtown car park because that's how they get to work. Then they shut the, shut the downtown park car park. That person is going to come to you and say, look, I'm sorry, I can't come to work. I can't park in town anymore because the rest of the car parks are predominantly full. Um, what are you going to do? You're either going to say, well, sorry, I you know, don't work for me anymore. Or what are you going to do? You're going to move your office yeah. to a place where you can get parking. You're going to leave the city, right? What happens to the, the hairdresser? The person comes as his customer, parks in the car park, goes and has his haircut. The car park closes. He finds the hairdresser somewhere else where he can yeah. park his car. So, you know, it's simple stuff. This mode shift, it's not rational uh, and, and it doesn't work. And all it does is destroy places. Uh, and um, Well, it's and happening anybody, in- yeah. All over the place, more than just Auckland's happening in oh, Wellington right. too. This, um, is a, this is a global yeah. push by the left. It's yeah. wrong. It's terrible, and we have to fight against it. And uh, you know, it's a um, it's a difficult battle because they're very entrenched within all of these governmental organisations, full of these people that that think that they're cleverer than normal people, and um, yeah. and have all sorts of illogical theories. That, uh, but interestingly, you know, if you look at Auckland City. You know, three years ago when they started this madness of close, taking the cars out of Queen, you know, parking out of Queen Street, they t- they were telling me how it'll be a thriving, um, no. you know, full of pedestrians, etc. It's a nonsense. I mean, the yeah. proof is in the pudding. Walk up and down Queen Street today. I looked at a photo back from the fifties of Queen Street, full of cars, full yeah. of parking, yeah. full of people. You know, just humming. Yeah, humming. Yeah. You know, yeah. cars are not bad. Cars driving up and down the road gives security, especially at night. People, when there's cars, there's parking, there's people, it all works together, you know? Yeah. And uh, taking parking and, and vehicle movements away is a nonsense. I'm not against some pedestrianisation of the odd street. That's fine, but never the main street, never the main feeders. You do that in little short side streets um, that, that don't have a need for any vehicles, where you get food and beverage out on the pavement. That's the way to do it. Not you, And Auckland has got, you know, deeply, in, you know, very varietal weather, uh, and the places yeah. where where pedestrian streets work have very constant weather patterns, huge numbers of people, million, you know, 10, 20 million people in a city, not 1.8, and 20 or 30 million tourists a year, not, not, not one and a half. So, you know, we are, in, in 50 years' time, we can talk about pedestrianising streets uh, when we've got a population of 10 million people, if we do, not today. Um, it's the wrong, we're the wrong city, uh, and the wrong demographics and the wrong population to do that. Okay, so for it to be a win, for it to be win, win, win all around, um, you put together uh, in that presentation what sounded to me like a very logical, great business case, kind of no-brainer really. Mm. Um, it's all doable um, and and everything operates while it's all yes, done, so yep. there's no down downside there. So in the next few minutes, explain if it was you, Andrew, how you, and it probably will end up being this way, I'm picking because it's the most logical, but you've got to battle. How how would you go about sorting this once and for all, maximising the value for the rate pack? Because that, in the end, has got to be the mission as well. How, how do you see it? Yeah, so the current deal with Precinct nets the council $47 million at best. Because I, I didn't quite, quite finish before, the, in addition to the, those two deductions of 15 and $13 million, um, 28 million in total, getting down to 122 million net to council. Council commits to spend 75.3 million dollars on removing the flyover, building a park in Sturdy Street, and and fixing some custom lower custom street areas. Now, as you've probably seen from CRL, it went from a budget of 1.1 billion to 8.5 billion. Council are not very good at managing their costs. 
So I would venture to say that the 75 million that council have said it will cost to do these works, which are part of the sale of, of the property to precinct, might cost 100 million or 120 or 150 million. But let's take them at their word and say that actually it'll only cost 75.3 million dollars. The net benefit in cash to council from the sale of this car park that has 1,944 car parks is $47 million. Now, very simply, every car park in there, if tomorrow the council strata titled that car park as the farmer's car park is strata titled, which I did 30 years ago, uh, and there are 1,400 car parks there, if you tomorrow put those car parks on the market, for sure you would get $100,000 each, right? So there's 1,944 times 100,000, Round figures, it's $195 million. So they're selling your very simple $195 million asset for $47 million. Crazy. Put that to one side. So I'm not advocating necessarily that they sell the car park as it is, because that would be an underutilization of the property. What I'm advocating is that they sell the development rights of the car park above the top of the existing car park. You do that very simply by building a big concrete slab up in the sky, which you uh, hold up by running a structure, a, a steel structure through the existing car park. And that holds up this three to four meter thick concrete pad in the sky. And on that concrete pad, you build one tower, two towers, three towers, as much as anything you want, because that pad is almost, it's as strong as a natural ground, and the structure that is holding it up that goes through the car park actually strengthens the car park as well, because you tie the car park to it, so the car park becomes seismically 100% forever. Uh, because they said it was seismically challenged as well, was another mm -hmm. early yeah. argument, and I think you had a bit to say about that. I just mentioned that yeah. because... Yeah, that's another. There's a whole story around that. Basically, they have a report that's no longer valid upon which they continue to rely, even though the engineers that prepared that report would have known that their report was no longer valid. Another tactic. Subsequent, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you want to do something, you, you know, how do you convince a person who doesn't know, isn't a specialist, one, you say to them, there's a problem, we're going to have to spend money on the building, there's a problem that's seismically challenged. So you, you scare people, you know, people are best scared. And the, the Chris Darby's trying to scare people legally by saying, oh, we could be sued by precinct, you've got to sell, you've got to do the deal. It's a lie. It's just a plain yeah. lie. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's, you know, having spent a bit of time watching the way that uh, the left works, they're extremely good at, at uh, creating falsehoods and having those falsehoods supported by uh, minions. Uh, it, within different organisations and lawyers come along and give opinions that have been instructed by minions and then people logically don't want to make the wrong decision and they, they often make the wrong decision because they've given the wrong information by yeah. the wrong people. Yeah. So, sorry, we, we, we're jumping all over the place. But so, yeah, no, I'm sorry, but I, I yeah. just, you just reminded me of that. Yeah. So, so the car park currently isn't seismically a problem. Uh, it's probably not 100%. It's probably 60 or 70%. In fact, there was a report previous to this CompuSoft report that says it's 67%, as it happens, by a company called Opus. So the car park, no work needs to be done today on the car park. However, if you were to construct a new tower on top, you would need to bring the car park up to 100%. And the structure, seismically, and the structure that you put through to hold the new floor up enables you to tie the car park to that structure and therefore right. make 
car park easily 100% at no more cost than the cost of the structure they hold up the pad. So, uh, so I've had a valuer value the development rights above the tower, value the car parks that would be public car parks, and value the car parks that the buyer or the developer of the tower would want to buy to go with his tower. So if we just do the math very simply, there are 1,950, call it, car parks in the building. I've assumed you lose 250 car parks building the structure up to hold this concrete pad, so we're down to 1,700. Then the developer of the tower above would want 500 car parks to go with his offices or apartments or hotel that is built above. So now you're down to 1,200 car parks, and those car parks would be public car parks in the long term and would be managed either by AT or, or Wilson's or Tournament, you know, one of the car park operators, but specifically managed as a public car park. My objective is that it's managed by AT so that they're able to uh, moderate the pricing of car parking, because currently the downtown car park's the best value car park in town, and I think it should continue to be that way. And if it's owned by a government agency, uh, then it can be modulated and moderated uh, to be a price. And I, if I was running the city, I'd be saying to get people back into the city, I'd be saying, right, car parking's free after five o'clock and in the weekends because you encourage people back in. You know, it's the right thing to do. So, um, and so, you know, if you have a commercial enterprise running it, it's difficult to force them to do that. Uh, whereas yeah. if, if AT are running it, they could do that, assuming they were motivated to and not trying to run the no cars in the city agenda and therefore they double the price, which of right. course, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'd want, you know, w within this strategy, it's important that the end result is actually an accessible, affordable public car park for 1,200 cars for uh, the city of Auckland. And uh, I've, I've had a, seen a report from AT on the occupancy of the car park. So I'm, 1,200 car parks is the right number and that would be a very full car park uh, you know, a lot of the, almost all of the time through through peak times. Yeah. Obviously, the big events, et cetera, that happen in the city and, and that car park's absolutely full every time there's a big event at, at Victor Arena uh, and or the bar, that there's some, some, something special going on. So it's how people come and enjoy our city and, you know, we want people to, to come, come to the city, enjoy it, work here, live here, play here, eat here, dine here, you know, uh, that, that's what makes a vibrant and successful city. And that's what uh, Save Queen Street Society is all about, is creating, you know, making sure that the council doesn't do crazy things and ruin the city, but instead does the right rational things and benefits our city. So back to the car park numbers. Yep. So on the analysis we've done, the 1,200 council, uh, the 1,200 public car parks are worth $100 million, call it 90-odd thousand dollars each. The 500 car parks that a developer of the towers would buy, he'd pay $200,000 each because a private car park is worth more than a public car park, double in fact. That's another 100 million, so we're now up to 200 million, and the development rights on top are worth a minimum of net $50 million. So that's 200, and in fact, they're worth a maximum of about $100 million, and that depends on how much building you can build on top, which is all about the floor area ratio. And that's well, how, how high could you go there? Multiple floors, obviously. Um, yeah, so if you look at Commercial Bay, Commercial Bay is about um, 40 floors. Yeah. Uh, so you can go about 40 floors because it sits on a similar line to Commercial Bay. Uh, and you might yeah. do that in one or two or, or three towers. It's a matter. lot of square metres I'm, I'm picking. Yeah, so well, right now the um, you can build between 83,000 and um, about a hundred, 
about 110,000 square meters. So call it 80 to 100, 110,000 square meters. And the existing building is 50,000 meters. So 80 minus 50, you can build 30,000 meters to call it 60,000 meters. Right. Um, and that depends on exactly the planning and how, you know, some, some detail. But it, it, the minimum that those development rights are worth is a net $50 million, right? So 100, 150, you're up to $250 million versus $47 million. And I say to the Auckland Council, if you care about saving ratepayers money, about money, and you want to sell the airport shares and you need money, you need money, here's 200 to $250 million. That is a gift for you by simply changing your strategy uh, as to how you go about selling this car park. There are two reasons not to do the deal with Precinct. One is to preserve 1,200 public car parks for the city of Auckland. The second is you make an extra 200 to $250 million. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Only somebody with an absolutely ideological bent to eradicate car parks from our city would want to not do this. And unfortunately, there are too many of those people that are currently Auckland City Councillors. Um, at the end of your uh, presentation in the Q&A that followed, I think people wanted to applaud, <laughs> but they were quite reserved. You know, there was a, a trickle of it, and, and maybe that that's not what you do in those meetings. It seemed, it seemed louder to me uh, than, uh, than it okay. at the time at the time than it sounded on the video afterwards. But uh, Wayne Walker said to me, I've been a councillor for many years, and that's the best presentation I've ever heard. So, uh, so I was quite um, quite buoyed by that uh, that positive comment. But and you got it in the duration too, which they keep tight. I think probably on purpose as well. So, well, you know, question, you, question time ran up to thirty or forty minutes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a five minute time frame to present a solution that will earn them two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, the uh, you got it out. So the, yeah, the five minutes before me was somebody who was complaining about men spreading their legs on buses. Uh, and how um, you know that that somehow infringes on women's rights uh, in public transport. So um, I thought that was an equally, sweating the big stuff as yeah, opposed I to you. That was an equally valid thing to be talking about for five minutes. But um, yeah, there, there you yeah. go. So there, there was a, a certain reaction. So Andrew, what do you think is is going to come out of that? Um, you got a dog fight on your hands, or will logic and value win the day? Um, we'll see on Thursday. So. Um, you know, it'd be fair to say if the council seek to decide to sell the car park, we will save Queen Street. Will be bringing a legal action uh, to prevent that from happening um, because it is the wrong decision. All right. Well, we're going to follow this closely, and we want to thank you for coming on and explaining that. It was really interesting. Pleasure. Thank you, Paul. Nice to and, talk. To you. And and let's catch up and see where you're at maybe after. Thursday, because we'd be interested to know if, if you're going to hit the legal button there. Yes. Yes, yeah. no, we'll, 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 we'll happy to be in touch. Look forward to it. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.